Welcome to the Recruiter's Review. I am your host and creator, Pat Mingarelli. This is episode three, though this is a direct continuation of episode two in season two about job loss. If you've not listened to that episode yet, you may want to do so as you will find this episode more relevant. I did promise you guests on my show who would lend experiences to all of my listeners. My guest today is not only someone who can lend their firsthand experiences and advice on job loss, he was actually the inspiration for what became a two-episode series of my podcast. Joining me is a long-term client of mine, Mike Manahan, who found himself unexpectedly on the job market in January of this year. As the introduction to the last episode stated, sometimes you see it coming and sometimes you don't. And in spite of Mike having a long-term and even prior relationship, he worked for the CEO before, Mike found himself caught up in a very short notice restructure and layoff job loss situation. A little bit more backdrop on Mike. Mike and I connected in 2005. In 2007, I placed Mike with Digital Insight. From there, Mike quickly elevated into leadership roles with Intuit, also with Q2. He was subsequently recruited into a growth company and ultimately a startup company that wanted to tackle the banking markets Mike and his teams know so well. Throughout his career, Mike was, and I'm sure he will continue to be, recruited by companies and people like me in his space. Consistent with the messages in this episode, it was a near six-month journey for Mike before he landed in his new role. And that land turned out to be an excellent one, and it's not just a holdover job. Mike is here today to tell us about his experiences, starting with the feelings that he felt when he was notified of the job loss, and he will tell us about the steps he took, the process he followed, and the schedule he followed until he found the position he's holding today. Mike, thrilled to have you as a guest. Welcome to the Recruiter's Review. Outstanding. Well, thanks for having me, Pat. I'm glad to have you here, Mike. Let's start with when when notice came that you lost your job. What went through your head that day? You know, really, if I'm being honest, it's probably a combination of uh, shock and some frustrations of uh, things. Typically, you know, what you'd expect that you um, you have that type of thing happen. I always, you know, in the different types of leadership roles that I've had, when there's been something that's been there to where, you know, somebody hasn't worked out, I've always said that it should never be really a surprise for somebody, that there should be a tremendous amount of back and forth that goes on around, you know, where the gaps of the coaching and that sort of thing. So once you've exhausted and all that. What's different in a layoff type of a situation is it is a total surprise. In the other example that I went through, what happens is because there's been so much work and coaching on it that if it doesn't work out, well, it shouldn't come as a surprise. And it kind of helps kind of guide you to that point to where in the layoff, it's just kind of a rip of the Band-Aid. And so it's one of those situations where you're just flush with a a ton of emotions of just, you know, shock, awe, and um, surprise, disappointment, all, all of those things all kind of mixed together. What did you experience after you sorted through the issues of your benefits and whatever uh, remaining pay and severance pay? Did you work through your state's unemployment system? And if so, what was that like? No, I didn't. I went through and uh, kind of twofold. One, um, at the time, you know, you couldn't turn on the news or look at any type of a, a website that's tied in with the news. And, uh, you know, every day there was some different type of uh, technology company that was in the middle of layoffs. And so there was just so many people that were unfortunately flooded back into the market. I really spent more of my time uh, trying to focus on uh, getting uh, my plans together and executing against them with respect to 
how I was going to go back and um, back into the actual market itself. I had advised the audience uh, earlier on that, you know, the step step one is take that deep breath and then go through it. Uh, audience, due to the relationship he had with me, again, we, we've talked about the benefit of keeping relationships with uh, the recruiters in your field. You know, I was one of Mike's early calls, but I had noticed that Mike took a very systematic approach to his job search. It was not haphazard. It was not shooting from the hip. He had a very organized, detailed, and I could tell structured plan. Mike, tell us a little bit about that when you went to your job search. How, how did you structure your days and weeks as somebody now looking for an opportunity because they have to? Let me answer first by taking a step back. If those um, haven't listened, I would point back to the, the earlier episode where you highlight a lot of these things because I'll, I'll probably end up echoing a lot of the uh, the comments and things that you talked about as part of you know what the experience is and what's going on and that sort of thing. As I mentioned, you take the first day and uh, you kind of get through the, the frustrations and the emotions part out of it. And then next morning you wake up and you got to start all over and kind of rip that Band-Aid. And so Really a couple different things I would focus. The first thing is that I really took it as an opportunity of I've been doing this for a while and I've worked with some really great people and I've worked with some people that I, you know, wouldn't call as great, if you will. What it allowed me to do is really sit down and take a look at, you know, what are the things that I really want to have in my ideal next role? What are the things that are non-negotiables with respect to to what you want to do? And, and it gets tricky because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with so many people that are in the market, sometimes you could potentially get lulled into, hey, I just need to get this because I need to get a role. But at the same time, that doesn't do you any good because if you just land a job just to say that you've got a job, you could find yourself in a worse spot. And so I really took the ability to kind of map out the type of company you want to work for, the culture, the people product, make sure it had an absolute perfect fit that they could tell a clearly differentiated story of what the problems is that they're solving and why it really is a great fit. And so there are really about five different characteristics that I look through to say, hey, my next role has got to be able to check all these boxes. So that way I'm in, I'm in the right spot. And then from there, really, you know, Pat, I looked at it from the standpoint of it's really no different than your traditional sales process. And what I mean by that is that you got to get out there, you kind of identify your target market. Who are the uh, types of companies that fit those profiles of kind of what you put together for what you wanted to look at? From there, it really turned into a lot of networking. You and I spoke many times of kind of what's going on and where the market's going, what things look like. But then I also went through and um, leaned into a lot of the different relationships that I've had to where in addition to you being out there looking for roles, how do you get other people that are out there uh, looking and listening and keeping their ears open as to what different opportunities are? And so I really took a look at that and I really you know, found myself to where I put myself into a regimen of every day doing some form of research, reach out and follow up. And, and you really kind of get up and do it over and over again, just like you would in a normal sales environment where you get hired and you're looking to build out your book of business. You really had to look at it in that same way of how you're going to go out and actually try to identify where you're going to go or who you want to try to talk to. You said something, I'll, I'll draw the audience back to in my first season, I had an episode about the decision to stay or go. And if you're laid off, well, <laughs> the decision to go has been made for you, but there was still the exercise about identifying what you're looking for in next job. That is key advice I wish I had thought of earlier in the episode. 
Mike is absolutely right. You don't take a job just to take it. Uh, that could that could put you into a worse situation and start the tailspin of many jobs and and uh, a lot of short term stays on the resume. So yeah, very very good advice, Mike. Uh, the regimen that you set. Did you set yourself on an actual schedule? Did you set hours per day or days a week? Was it a five day a week schedule you kept until you found your position? Yes, uh, it was exactly that. Again, I would look at it just like I would be scheduling out a normal uh, week itself to where I would block out time that was either for research, trying to find out what types of companies were out there, who's fit, who's potentially um, hiring. Then also I would set out time to where I would take a look through to blocks of contacts. You know, I'm fortunate that I've got a pretty wide network that's out there because I've uh, been doing this for so long now that I had the ability of, you know, setting up time to reach out people and to open a conversation and frankly, let them know that I was out there, um, take a look. And then certainly as time went through, you've got different uh, interviews that were sprinkled in through the calendar as well. And so there were times, you know, there was a lot of that, but I would also point out that like, it can be a tough time sometimes. I mean, you got to be mentally prepared for what you're going into that it's, it's going to be a period of time. Like you had mentioned uh, in my world, I was right at a about four and a half, five months. And so you've got to be able to also plan in and be deliberate about taking a break away from constantly doing that to where you can actually reset your brain. Generally speaking, in a work week, you can do that on the weekends. But you, I, my experience was that uh, I would also set aside maybe an hour or two a day that was specifically forcing me to do something different, just so that way you didn't get wrapped up in the, well, I couldn't find anything so much today. And then you kind of go down this frustration path and my experience was that if I built in time that was very specific and deliberate for focusing on something else for a little bit, kind of getting recharged, that uh, that really helped That helped me in trying to keep my focus and keep my head in the game. Very good advice, Mike. Thank you. I had mentioned uh, earlier, volunteer work could be a way to do that, but there are a number of things. And that was the point that I was making to the audience. You can't do the job search 24-7. You have to have a structure to it and then structure some time away to uh, recharge the batteries and whatever sense of purpose you get from whether it's volunteer or the family or your own mental health or physical health. I'm glad that, that you said that. Did you do any work with the job boards? You know, I will be honest with you and tell you that I had a mixed bag of mixed experience of when I would try to leverage some of those resources. There would be one or two to where uh, they would be heavily focused into really the market that I was looking into. And um, I would go through and research, apply through those job boards. I would try to make contacts with people that I would find through there. Just never heard back. Um, and I that happened a lot. There was uh, every now and then you'd get an acknowledgement of the application and what um, I would then follow up and try to find, I'd identify who the um, HR person was, the hiring manager, and um, just nothing. And so that was, I know this part wasn't necessarily part of your um, question, but like to say it was shocked would probably be an understatement. The amount of ghosting that kind of took place in a lot of the different scenarios that I was in was really surprising. You would have, there were a couple different times to where either the example I just gave, laid out to where you just wouldn't hear anything. But then on the other side, maybe you'd have a conversation with somebody initially, and then you would just never hear anything back from them ever again. And so it was really odd. And 
you know, as I shared some of the experience, I talked about some of the networking to the earlier point, the number of people that were out on, on the street, so to speak, when we were sharing a lot of the kind of experiences and what's going on and what's open and that sort of thing. That was the one thing that was really common that everybody was experiencing of just the pure ghosting. And so one of my takeaways was that, you know, commitment to where when I got back into the, the saddle again, to make it a very deliberate thing to be able to, somebody reaches out and is interested in a role or employment. And I, I get a handful of these today, a couple, maybe five or six a week where people are reaching out. I make it a point to make sure that I acknowledge every one of them and to um, respond back, even if we don't have anything, at least that there's somebody that's on the other side that's acknowledging and there's some form of a closure that's there. Just because, you know, you, you got to recognize that there's somebody on the other side of that, you know, they're looking for something and uh, respecting that situation. The other point that I'll hit you and then we can move on is it's it was interesting with respect to some of the stuff on the job boards. I went through and, you know, countless different um, applications and resumes that I'd put through. I never heard back. And it's comical now because here I am like, I don't know, six, seven months out from uh, when I did some of these different applications. And today I'm receiving surveys from these companies asking me to rate them on how my experience was of going through the actual application process. And it's comical because it's the first time I've actually heard anything from any of these companies since I put in the actual resume. So at first, I thought about maybe responding back with some of the uh, feedback on the surveys, but I thought, you know, if they didn't acknowledge anything from the application, I can't imagine they're going to look at the survey. So I just didn't uh, go forward. But I just found it was interesting. There was no, never any engagement until the point that they sent out a survey asking how my experience was. Well, Mikey just gave away uh, one of my episodes in season three that will be geared towards talent acquisition professionals. I absolutely agree. If you're going to, first of all, if you're going to spend your company's money on those sites, they're not cheap, by the way, uh, to, to have positions posted on a site, the company invests you know, anywhere from several thousand to thousands of dollars just to have the license and they pay for X amount of postings. But to have qualified people apply and it just sits in the void, I would imagine there are senior leaders that if they saw the quality resumes that never made it into the interview process, I've actually been paid by companies very large fees to place somebody to, to find out that person applied directly through a job board and was never found or contacted. I think it's a it's an issue of one person trying to sift through thousands and thousands of resumes. That's another episode I'll have up, but it's good to hear. Mike, I would venture to say that when you saw a company of interest that they were posted on one of the boards, did you then use your own network to find your way into those organizations when you were ghosted on the applicant portal? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I did kind of twofold. One is that I would, you know, kind of go through and try to identify people on my own that I could try to make introductions to. But then two, it then I would just leverage my network to see who knew somebody there and how we could try to get into the door of like, at least having a conversation. And I will, you know, as you would expect, there was uh, more success in that route versus just kind of waiting on the, uh, the board or trying to make the introductions or connections with people that you saw were involved in the hiring 
hiring process, but it absolutely went back to, you know, my own personal network. How did you use LinkedIn during this time? I did a lot of, you know, I would do a lot of research on the actual companies themselves. I would go through and take a look at people I knew that were either working there, connected there, because even if I found people that were in my network that maybe weren't in that same division, they could give me the lay of the land as to like who the person was that was hiring, take a look at a lot of the um, growth that was there. But then I also, you know, the other tool that I uh, leveraged just to try to understand, because I mentioned one of the things was around culture was Glassdoor and going through to really do some research because of there you've got a lot of the actual employee reviews, right, wrong, or indifferent that they what they provided. When there's enough reviews that are there, it gives you a good sense of um, what's really going on in the company itself. And I uh, was able to kind of align that as well, specific to um, that checklist that I mentioned with respect to, you know, what were the types of things that I was looking for in my next uh, company. Mike, as we move to the close of our interview, we've talked about what you did when you were aware that when you had lost your job. The other part of this episode were for those who were employed, always being prepared. And I've always advised, you know, the the annual look at your resume, update that and talk with recruiters in your space, you know, no matter your situation. Can you add to that or give your own view of when you're sitting in a seat thinking everything's fine? How do you manage that? Did you in your career always keep in the back of your mind that, well, there is always the possibility of a layoff. Keep this resume updated and sure, I'll talk to recruiters. Quick answers, yes. I, I look at it a couple different ways. One is that I always have kept my resume up to date. I found that if you do that on the periodic and you go back and you take a look and you update it, sometimes, you know, after doing something for a little bit, you can find yourself that you get in a little bit of a rut. So one of the things that I found over my career is that when you go back through, you look at it, you update your resume, you know, you're reminded of the accomplishments and what you've done. You know, frankly, it helps give you a little bit of a boost. And, and it's been, for me, successful kind of motivator, if you will, because it just helps you to kind of keep your eye on the prize. But having said that, I absolutely 100% agree. I always take a call from a recruiter. And I told somebody I work with this uh, one time, and they kind of cocked their head and looked at me and they're like, well, you're not happy here. And, you know, those all the typical questions you would ask. And, and it was really kind of twofold. This my answer back is one, I always take the call because back to what I talked about before around networking of making sure that I start to have a network of recruiters I'm familiar with, they're familiar with me. That works both ways because as I've been in different types of hiring situations to where if there's a special niche or whatever, maybe, you know, that's a relationship that I can start that might pay dividends down the line. I don't know, but you always keep the door open. The second reason is, is that I would always take the call because generally speaking, they're hiring for something that's in my market and that's why they're calling me. And so I always like to do it because it also, in addition to just building out that network for me personally, it also helped me from the standpoint of keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the market, who's growing, why are they growing? What are some of the things that are coming out? I've had recruiters call me before and say, hey, you know, XYZ company is building out this new product that's really starting to take off. And that was some pretty good market intel as to what's going on. And it kind of keeps you abreast because even if it wasn't something that I was interested in, it was another way that I would use to be able to keep up with what's taking place in the market and really kind of, again, keep me on the forefront of what's going on that's 
that's out there. So I think that there's multiple benefits of actually having those lines of communication open. And I can give you an example. There's a guy that I uh, know that, um, you know, found himself on the outside looking in recently. And he reached out to me asking for who are some of the folks that I've networked with in the past that are our recruiters. And this person's been doing it for a while. And I kind of chuckled and said, well, don't you ever get calls? Haven't you talked to anybody? And he laughed and said, well, I never talked to him. I always kind of blow him off because uh-huh. I've never needed him. And now they find themselves in a spot where they could use some help and they don't have a, you know, a network of folks like you that could, you know, help them out. So always take those conversations because I just think it's a great, it's a really good best practice. It really is. It's it's career management. It's just like managing your investment portfolio. If you put your money in the market and don't pay any attention to it, you may get some really bad surprises later. You may get a pleasant surprise, but you're, if, you, if you're managing your career like you do your investments, you take those calls, you see what's going on. You know, real quick uh, side note, I've also had people who weren't looking for positions, but when they found out who my client was, they ended up becoming partners with my clients. I've got one of those going on right now where there's a startup company and uh, they're not quite to market yet, but the uh, uh, chief revenue officer of a very large organization uh, has asked that I put uh, them in touch with each other because there may be a partnership to uh, form. So just good things happen when you talk to people. Mike, I really appreciate the insight today. Is there any parting advice you have for the audience? Now, I think that the main piece that I would go back and I've hit on it a lot today, but I really think that a big piece is you you lean into your your network because a lot of times what you'll find is that, you know, sometimes the actual role that you're looking for may not actually be posted yet out, um, but your network knows somebody who knows somebody who's getting ready to get something, a budget released or headcount released, or they're going to plan on. That's the absolute best thing that you can do is Don't get discouraged by if you don't see something out there, just keep talking to people. And the more of your network that you can tap into, the better success I think you're going to have. So that would be my key takeaway. Well, Mike, we really enjoyed having you on the show. I'll bring you back in season three and you can talk more about being ghosted because that will be a very good episode for uh, the other side of the desk to hear. But I really appreciate your time today and we wish you the best. Outstanding, Pat. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Thanks, Mike. And that's a wrap of another episode of the Recruiter's Review. There is still more to come in Season 2, and Season 3 will indeed be geared towards talent acquisition managers and hiring managers. Until the next episode, this is Pat Mingarelli signing off from the Recruiter's Review.